Today we will be talking about PDA parenting, covering a range of topics from homeschooling to helpful tips. To forewarn you, this one will have minimal structure, but hopefully you'll find something useful or relatable. So, to kick things off, how is homeschool going? Can I please begin with an understanding that homeschooling for all families is not easy. Um, You know, we've all been thrown into this situation, not through choice. And, you know, I don't think people are complaining. Um, I think people are just sharing their difficulties. And I think that's all children, all families. Some are having to work, um, you know, from home and also monitor the homeschooling of their children. Some have got very young children. They're having to try and juggle everything. So I just want to say for starters that I do appreciate it's hard for everybody. But the reason I'm coming out with this is because whenever I seem to say anything about being an SEND parent, I always get shouted down with, oh, well, it's hard for everybody. And it is. And I'm the first to say, do you know what? Um, Parenting is hard. There are a lot of responsibilities and challenges and things to juggle. And um, I just don't take that away from anybody. And I don't want anybody to think that I'm undermining their experience. But that being said... I am a a fully trained, qualified, outstanding teacher, I'd like to add. I mention that not to brag. Yeah. But it's just because that is actually what I was. And I taught a lot of children with behavioral difficulties, a lot of special educational needs. And I'm really struggling with my children, uh, particularly my eldest. And it is worth noting that he meets the not just the ASD profile but the PDA part of the ASD profile and a lot of people don't understand what this is and it is pathological demand avoidance a lot of people do not like this name and it probably does need revisiting but essentially it comes with high anxiety and resistance of everyday demands that could be getting dressed and it absolutely can be trying to get them to learn through homeschool but I'm really struggling with our eldest uh, the school has struggled with him I am struggling with him and it's like nothing works consistently and nobody can consistently get through to him. No. Uh, You used the words today. I I filmed quite a lot of today because we're going through the EHCP assessment at the moment. And it's just to give examples really of what it's like. You know, obviously they're at home. So at this point in time, he can't be assessed. He can't be watched at school. I'm trying to give them as authentic an experience of what it is like to try and teach him. So I'm putting him into situations that normally I probably wouldn't. And that is true. Normally I'm a little bit more low demand or disguising the demand, which is essential with a PTA child. Yeah. But, um, you know, for the sake of these videos, that isn't what's happening. I need them to see what it's like when you actually put demands on him when he is in an environment where he isn't going to be able to just have full control over what he's doing. The the thing about it, I mean, you've played me the videos and I've been working from home this week, so I've witnessed some of this happening. And even the, in quotation, air quotes, uh, demands that you have put on them, they're, they're so minuscule. Mm. It's, it, it, it was amazing how, how many things he was fighting and, and kicking against that were, to most children nothing they were literally no no bother at all easy peasy tasks that they wouldn't even bat an eyelid at uh, doing is, this is the thing that i struggle with it's that element i'm fully understanding of it i can see i always say to you i understand fully that uh, a lot of pda is i can't not i won't he's not consciously thinking no i'm not going to do this and no. sometimes he'll say but i love home learning i love school i want to do that with you mummy but um, <laughs> yeah i remember today when he does. said that i was like you could have fooled me but son. it doesn't you could have fooled me that way at all i mean wow you know and i think um so the reason i've opened up with yes it's hard for everybody because i do appreciate it is but um this experience is not your typical at all it's not I don't even know how to describe it. It's so hard. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you you don't have a job. Um, you are just mummy. Yeah, you're, you're mummy, and I couldn't imagine having to take that on whilst also working from home. Because <laughs> so, I know some parents are, are having to obviously work from home and homeschool, which and, is you know so wow. hard. But with children like him. Uh, In fact, I know this for a fact from the communities online that I belong to from my own blog that a lot of parents, SEND parents, have to quit their jobs 
They physically have to. It's inevitable. Because you get called into schools every five minutes to pick them up because they're not coping or they might be suspended or they might be expelled. Uh, They might decide they can't keep them in in, uh, mainstream school. You then have all of the fighting and the admin and the paperwork and the trying to get a specialist place. And, you know, we're still on that journey at the moment, but... It's very early days at the moment, yep. But there are a lot of people who have had to do that. And what I think is quite sad is that, and I have witnessed this firsthand in the school environment, is that when parents sometimes do have to quit their jobs to care for their children, there's a lot of judgment. You're just lazy, or they're just exaggerating things. It's just because they don't want to work. People are so dismissive. They don't believe half of what you tell them. They cannot comprehend it. When you say that to people, they get really offended because they do know, but they they don't and you can't. And I'm humble enough to admit that I was teaching children with these difficulties and I was pretty understanding. Uh, In fact, very understanding. I went out of my way, as you know, most of my life was researching and helping those kids because they mattered to me. But even I had not experienced that firsthand as a parent and 24-7 and... I've said to you, haven't I, you know, I wish I could go back and I'd still offer the same support I offered. It's not so much that, it's more the human element of it. It's more the parents, actually, not the children. I don't think I'd change anything much with the children, but the parents, I would probably get into trouble um, because it would be crossing a boundary, I suppose. But I just want to throw my arms around those parents and say, you're doing a great job. They just needed somebody to champion them. And I don't think I did that enough. I wasn't, I was so focused on the child. I never thought about what the parent was really going through. It's an interesting point to make about it because obviously the child is everyone's priority. Absolutely, yeah. And of course, that goes without saying. Behind that is parents who are just trying to keep it together. they have their own issues they're going through. They, they may also, Excuse me again, like sorry. us, be on the spectrum. Um, what I actually see yeah. in society is this element of competition. And that's why I started with what I did. Um, because I feel that sometimes I come across as I'm undermining the neurotypical experience. And that's never my intention. But I have taught um, neurotypical and SEND children and, behavior, and children with behavioural needs and socioeconomic factors that influence their behaviors I've you know I've taught a range of children and I've I've worked with a range of families and even within our own families we have a range of children we have neurotypicals we have SEND and um, nobody is denying that just parenting in general life in general is tough but you really can't compare the two experiences and I know it also depends on what kind of special need your child has as well so um, you know this is the problem, but there is competition. I mean, I've even received it from people who say that my eldest is not really disabled because he hasn't got a physical disability. And um, again, that's probably another oh, discussion. That's that's a good one. Yeah. I'm writing that down. Write that down for another one because, yeah, that really boils my piss. Where do I start on that one? So I'm yeah. going to zip it. But yeah, so that's why I put that out there because there is competition. And what's hard is I'm really trying to appeal to neurotypical people and it's not their fault that they perceive things the way they do because look at the media look at the way everything is represented and until you're in it until you live it until you experience it unless you've obviously got somebody in your direct family or or friendships who um experiences this lifestyle how are you supposed to know well we've had we've had people say when we've explained a situation or an experience we've had with our SEND children and then they relate it to something they experienced with their neurotypical child. And, um, you know, you, you, I'm still empathetic because that's still really hard for them. That is, I'm still not taking away from the fact that that's still a hard experience. But it really is not the same. It is not the same. And so. it's really tough because they then see it as you are being a martyr and you are undermining their experience. And I'm actually very careful not to do that in real life. I will say, oh, you know, and I'll be very sympathetic because... As we said, all, all parenting is hard. It is. But sometimes the things they describe as being really difficult. Obviously, we, I know it's, um, <laughs> you always say it's, oh, that scale. What's a, what, economies of scale? That's the one. Yeah. And it is. It's not as hard. Oh, gosh. It, it just sounds like I'm being really judgmental. And this is the problem. I want to try and appeal to neurotypicals who don't understand so that they can maybe have a bit more empathy and understanding for what we go through. 
you know, other parents on the school run, for example, when your child is melting down because a droplet of rain got onto his trousers. And he's trying to, uh, you know, strip off his trousers. Yeah, or he's screaming <laughs> or he's, you know, um, and people look at you and just make you feel like an awful parent and like you've got no control and your child's just horrendous. It's that kind of thing. You're right. For example, I've, I took over the school run in the mornings. The first thing you do is you look outside the window and you're like, is it raining? Oh, God, here we go. So you got to get his... Uh, waterproof onesie we drive him in the car because that was it's one an of the, operation isn't it that was one of the things because we don't live that far from school but you try walking him to school when it's raining you can't you you'll probably need two hours to set off for that one mile trip because there's gonna be a lot of stopping <laughs> and a lot of meltdowns that's why in the end i was like you know what i'll change my work patterns allowed us to start work after the school run in the morning which was really great i'm, I'm getting him in the car and even that is an absolute pain in the ass sometimes because transitioning it's all about transitions yeah. you try you try and say right we've got five minutes and then we've we got to put your shoes on and then you know that could be met with a meltdown and they can't even they both of them don't even like the countdowns now they don't like the they, reminders don't remind me they hate well, it what, how am i supposed to how are we going to transition exactly. you what do you want and like uh, i think i said in the last <laughs> one you know they don't they also don't respond to anything now they're you know sand timers visuals nothing works alarms us speaking to them everything just pisses them off they're like they're just, they're just heightened all the time and we know it's anxiety driven and, yeah. and again it's the demands of having to transition fully aware of the psychology but you you as a parent yourself demands to get them to school and preferably on time because you look you know school are pretty flexible yeah. they understand what we're dealing with and the amount that but, we actually have to organize the night before oh, i mean honestly you would anyway you, you know, think we're going on holiday <laughs> yeah. for two weeks the, the way we have to prep it. are an operation. You wake up and you are on your adrenaline. And I, I say that a lot and I will say it a lot. You will hear this from me a lot because I think that's the element people don't understand. It's adrenaline. You are living on adrenaline. You're adrenaline fueled all the time because you know you've got this really stressful experience. And I know from family members and from friends and from acquaintances and from just being a teacher that this is not the typical experience for everybody. And when I was teaching, going back to the schooling aspect of things quickly, sorry, to, don't lose your train of thought, okay? Um, but going back to that element, sometimes that's where I get insulted when people talk to me like I'm a moron and I don't know any different. <laughs> I have for many, many years been around a lot of different children and I've catered to a lot of very different needs and I can tell you this is you've been in the system that's the point you, yeah. you're not just a parent or someone who's had no prior experience of working with kids at the end of the day from an education perspective yeah. who better and I can tell you that the routines the procedures the rewards the expectations the countdowns the things that you would typically do in a classroom and obviously you adapt them uh, for different children and that kind of thing. You have to do that regardless. So that's nothing new to me. But they're met very differently. And like I said, I have had children like my eldest. It's not that I haven't had them. I've worked in reception to year seven, uh, mainly. But I was more in the key stage two end. So I was usually teaching the older children. So I always say that to you. I wonder if an element of it is that, you know, he's still so young. And he's developmentally and emotionally and socially behind by a couple of years. So... I think people are expecting an awful lot from a child who just isn't ready for the things that are being asked of him. So it's a really tricky situation to be in. Whereas I've been working with older children who still have the same difficulties, but you can reason with them a bit more. The emotional maturity is there to be yeah. able to appeal to them. You can teach those self-regulation techniques and strategies and they're more able to access them. Not in all cases. Again, I'm not... I'm being really careful not to say it's... You know, I've had a couple of children who were taken from our school and put into specialist schools because they, you know, they just didn't cope in our school or maybe it's more accurate to say our school didn't cope with them, actually, on reflection. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, getting back to the school run. So you got me in the car after probably a meltdown. You're probably running at this point five... You've probably got like five minutes to get him to school on time. And it doesn't matter what time you get up, this always happens. And you manage to park somewhere. It's never opposite the school. It's always still a tiny bit of a walk so you have to get him out of the car again hopefully it's you gauge in the rain you get out okay fine it's really bad oh god get him in the all-in-one bash suit <laughs> give him your umbrella still because again he doesn't want, he doesn't want any rain on his face at all and uh I, I remember one of the things he would do is you get out of the car 
and to gauge the rain, he he would lift the sole's foot and just see if it's wet or not to determine. You know, he he's looking for a dry sole on his on his shoes to to basically gauge whether or not he's gonna have a good time or not. That's the kind of stuff he'll do. Uh, puddles are obviously the natural enemy of him. Um, if there's a large puddle, I'm like, right, I'm literally picking you up. And if we're running behind because he's faffing around with the umbrella, um, that's always fun as well. One scenario was there's one bit of pavement, long stretch just before around the corner from the school, and he had his he had my umbrella and he was fine, but he was just walking too slow because obviously the, having to hold this umbrella and walk forward and all that kind of stuff was too much for him. And you could see he's holding up other people behind him, you know, other other parents and their children. And obviously that builds anxiety on on yourself because you're just trying to get him to school on time and you also don't want to hold other people up. And they're trying to be polite but stay back, but you're starting to piss them off, you can tell. And this is still in a social distance climate as well, which is extra fun. So you've got your mask on. And in the end, I end up saying to him, look, we're going to have to let these people go past us. And that triggers him. And then he's hitting the deck. Yeah, he actually collapses. Yeah, he, he, he... The logic of the fact that the floor is wet is lost at this point. Because he's just pure emotion. emotion. Like, he doesn't want those people to go past him. I said, look, that we have to let him pass because you're walking too slow. And he's still melting down at this point. And I'm like, oh, God, what am I going to do? I'm, and I'm panicking because I'm trying to get him to school on time. So in the end, what did I do? I'm like, right, hold the umbrella still. Cool, you got it in your hands? Cool. Okay, then I lift him up and I carry him and he's nearly six. And he's not hes not light anymore. No. <laughs> Lucky I'm quite strong. I'm I'm six four. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not weak. I'm, you know, I don't work out. I'm, I've got enough strength there to lift him. And I'm having to carry him the, la- the last bit of the distance to try and get him there. And it's, it's, oh my God, the things you do just to get your kid to school when he's got all these things going on. And you see the other parents walking in with their children and it is not the same experience. And I think this is, again, where the competitive element is so frustrating for us because you describe your experience and people just nullify it, dismiss it, and they just think that you are complaining about nothing or you get the people who think you're doing something wrong. <laughs> it's it's the, the funniest thing is uh, there's like bemusement from other people as they see you, what you're doing, because they're thinking... Why is he carrying him? You know, he, he should be walking. Yeah, right. Yeah, you try swapping. It's really fun. Um, yeah, it is. It's a really tough situation to be in. Oh, my word. I don't I don't um, miss that aspect of the day. It used to really fill me with dread. Yeah, so you, so you got that. And oh, the other thing you do is um, early days, I end up having to use my own coat. Oh, yeah. To go over his coat. Because, he, again, he didn't want his waterproof coat wet. So that was a funny sight as well. So again, got this massive coat over him. Trying, I'm tying up the sleeves as well so they don't drag around. And I'm literally carrying him with his with my coat wrapped around him, and my hood going over his head as obviously swamping him. And it's so it's so amusing. It's we must look such a sight. But yeah, it's just the things you do just to get him there and uh, well, not actually- melt down. Since you've taken over, obviously, that's brilliant. You've just got him. But actually, my school run experience was absolutely horrendous. What I had to do with this, you know, very large child and my my youngest as well is on a rainy day in particular, I could not physically walk him into school because he refused to walk. So I used to have to use a double, a really heavy double push chair and put them both in that. And he had to be covered by the rain cover. And again, I used to get a lot of very puzzled looks looking at these massive children you know, in this double buggy. And not only was it that aspect of it, it was it's so difficult to push that contraption with the two children in to the point that I'd asked my youngest to get out and walk because I was like, I can't physically do this. You know, you're so heavy now. Um, and then there are a couple of routes to school and depending on the weather will determine which one you take. But neither are very easy and neither have got a massive space. Yeah. And when you get to the school... The pathway is so narrow, you can just about fit the double on there. So again, you annoy other people because they can't get past you. And if you are actually on this main bit of pathway, they have to wait further along until you're off of the pathway for them to even go on it. And I've had many people tut and roll their eyes and most people being polite. But, um, you know, some people, they're just frustrated. They want to get their kids into school. And there you are monopolizing the pathway. Um and the same went for having to pick him up. So it really was something I dreaded doing. It's it's funny because you just want to... I'm not going to say the word fit in. <laughs> More actually, like, you kind of... You just want to blend. You, you, you just want to fade into the background and draw no attention to yourself. But it's impossible. Yeah. It's like 
rolling around with a massive kick me sign yeah, on the back of you. Yeah, and I wonder if that's why we are a bit vocal and justifying ourselves all the time, because I think you feel you have to. Because people do, they're very perplexed by the things that they see. So you're constantly having to dexify everything, and you're like, nah. It just, it just gets absolutely... Tiresome. Yeah, tiresome. It's just and really annoying. A lot of people have noticed with me that since over the last probably year, actually probably the last few years, but I'd say definitely the last year, a lot going on personally with me. Obviously health, you know, but let's put that aside. I'm autistic. I've known that for a while now. Got diagnosed last year. And obviously my children are autistic and they both meet the PDA profile. I do not want to paint it as all bad. There's a lot of really good stuff, which I think we should also comment on. I'm just going to make a note of good PDA because, you know, <laughs> it does need to be explored. That's, a, I, you know. that's the trouble because, like, it sounds like you're just whinging all the time. It it's does. More, it's, it's more, it's more setting the record straight, isn't it? Because you're yeah. trying to raise awareness of... It's more like for the uninitiated. It's like if you're coming across people who, who are, uh, you know, displaying certain attributes or whatever... Maybe you'll think, oh, it could be this or that. Um, Maybe actually, be a bit more kind. Yeah, most people are quite nice, actually. I, I haven't come across a lot of really nasty people, but you do get some people, and suddenly it's all it takes is a, is a few, can make you feel really bad about yourself yeah. and about your children, and, and that's really tough. I can't remember what I was saying. I, was, I painted PDA really badly, and I don't want to. The whole point of PDA is that it's very challenging for the individual and for the people dealing with the PDA person. And I know a lot of advocates online would go mad hearing me say that. I know some of the pages I belong to that um, discuss PDA or specialise in PDA. Again, they get very defensive about that aspect of it. But it's it's just the reality of it. It's not to say it doesn't come with its good things, but it does come with its challenges. But you kind of do want to blend in. You just want to not be, you know, I think this is the thing you do become, I've become very defensive. I think that's what I was saying. I have become defensive. I've changed as a person. Everybody's noticed it. But it chips away at you because your experiences, I think the minute you become a parent, and here's the thing, and they're looking at it from the kid's perspective, and that's fine. Some of those advocates are not parents. Now, no offense, if, if you're not a parent of a PDA child, then some of your advice doesn't mean shite to me. Yeah, and especially as you are most certainly PDA, and I yep. identify as PDA also, we really do understand our children. And doesn't make it any easier though, it does it? And we have our no. own resistance. Because <laughs> we've we've got our own we've got our own stuff going on. So the funniest thing is, it's almost like a PDA tug of war between it the is. parent and the child when they both got PDA. It's not fun. Because I can come across really immature and and pathetic at times to the uninitiated because Mm. you're like, why is he doing that? That's because I've got my own shit going on. Even I tell you, but I I do actually come in with, I understand why you're doing this. You're very understanding and tolerant. I will put it there. It's like you've got three kids at times. I say that all the time. And I've been torn apart for saying that before because it's so belittling to you. But actually, it's the truth. I know you don't. (laughs) It doesn't bother me. I'm not going to be offended by a true statement. (laughs) Do you know why you're not offended? It's because you are here living it with me. Yeah. And you see how many times I have to go, um, don't say that, it's going to escalate it. I, I understand why you're feeling oh, like that, but just don't say it. No, that's not helpful. Just do this. I don't look at him. Absolutely just use this voice. Terrible. You know. Seriously, I I <laughs> if yeah, yeah, I uh, if it was just me doing it all, I feel sorry for my They'd kids and I'm putting it they there. Really would. They, I don't mean that rudely, but they would. Yeah. I, I I'd feel sorry for them if it was just me dealing with it all the time. Uh, they they couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. But you struggle. And I, I think, do. Again, do you know? Again, that's probably another is PDA parenting as a parent with PDA. Yeah, it's really fun. Um, I compare it to this. So I, I'm I'm terrible, like I said, and I tend to say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing. Compare it to a person walking in a room full of rakes on the ground. You know that that cartoon scenario. Uh, loads of rakes on the ground, and any anywhere I step. It, the, I managed to trigger a rake and you it smacks me in the me face. The because it's a trap. Because I laugh, <laughs> but there are some times when I'm not amused and I come down <laughs> on you quite hard. And that is again, it's another thing. Another thing is relationships, the relationship with the parents, because it does put a huge strain on us. And um, you know, we have got a really solid friendship, but it would be a lie to say that it doesn't have an impact. The, I think the minute we became parents the strain immediately kicked in that's the issue 
um, for me, obviously, in my own hangups of being a father, um, definitely. Um, like I said, it, it, to me, it felt like shit gets real. The minute you become a parent, it's real. And that's for any parent. Yeah. This this is the universal stuff that everyone feels. Um, so, for me, it was coping with the the demands of being a parent with my condition, <laughs> PDA demands, parenting. That one of some of the hardest demands a human being could probably go through is being a parent. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. This is actually. normal now. So it's yeah. so it's it's not the same as I mean. Yeah, there's loads of sleep like deprivation. You, said, you had a lot of anxiety as well, of fear of oh my gosh. I'm responsible for this little person and any parent feels that really. Yeah, I, I kind of gave myself like a massive hard time and was building up a complex before I'd even done anything wrong. I'd so it's almost um, self-defeating. We've talked about Full the fact circle. that parenting is tough <laughs> universally and we do acknowledge that. And I really would like more neurotypicals to kind of listen to what we have to say as people on the spectrum, raising people on the spectrum. And instead of looking at the representations on television, I know that that's really hard sometimes because the way that I think us SCND parents can paint it sometimes, and autistic people and anybody who's a little bit different, we can come across really defensive and as though we're the ones being competitive or we're the ones um, pushing you away. And I appreciate it can come across like that. But it is because essentially we are so used to having people dismiss us and our voices are marginalised. And that is a fact. We've had so many people belittle our experiences. And, you know, we, we spend our life having to record everything to prove it to professionals and you just don't want to be having to prove it. I mean, somebody even said to me about my eldest um, when I said, oh, he's on the pathway of you know being diagnosed. Oh, I thought he was already diagnosed. As though all of a sudden he can't be autistic then because he's not actually officially diagnosed. <laughs> and as we all know, it takes a long time to get that official diagnosis in some cases, in most cases. Oh, sure, that's simple. And my word, if you could see what we have to go through as a family, recording everything. And and someone said to me, I can't even remember who it was. And they were like, well, just don't record it. You know, like as though I was putting this pressure on myself. And I thought, you just have no clue. But of course they don't, because they don't live it. And I think... No. So I can see from outside of our little experience that when you whinge and say things, they see it as whinging. It's not. You're just so frustrated that they see it as, oh, God, here we go again. And actually, I I understand it comes across that way, but it's really not meant that way. It is just literally a lot of the stuff on my phone, although I've got a lot of lovely stuff on there, a lot of it is them having meltdowns. And I I read it online somewhere saying that, you know, autism doesn't actually mean meltdowns, which is what some people make this association of. I think I said that wrong, but you know what I mean? Um, Yeah, I do. Meltdowns are caused by sensory overload or being overwhelmed they're basically caused by an individual being uncomfortable in their environment in their own skin there's a lot of triggers and reasons and it just so happens that a lot of autistic people experience this because of the way that we interact with the world just get overwhelmed i mean the thing about it is the meltdown is a byproduct it's yeah it's people are taking like oh he melt he melted down like that's the thing that caused something. It's like no, that's a reaction to something. And I think this is what again you you put all this stuff out there because you're trying to explain it. I've had so many people belittle me about this blog and saying you know why do you think your voice is so important? Well, I don't think my voice is so important. I think anybody who's living a different experience who's being made to feel very ostracized and responsible for the hardships they are living. I think any of those voices should come forward. And I think that that's, you know, this, I know that going on my blog has been very validating for me. I've had some people not like it, obviously, but for me as an individual, it's helped me a lot because I've met people like us. But like we talked about the other day, that isn't really the audience that we need to understand. They already get it because they're living it. We need people outside of our experience to go, oh my word, feel for you. That must be really tough. And instead of when we say, oh gosh, it was really hard getting the kids to school this morning. Instead of them going, yeah, can be tough, can't it? Yeah, mine didn't want to go to school. It isn't the same thing. (laughs) You know, when when you are having to battle a child for a couple of hours to get them into school and and go to the extremes we go to, it's, um, it's belittling. Again, not undermining your experience. Of course, you know, you are entitled to go, gosh, you know, I'm so tired. I, I saw something a while ago saying, and it's from an SCND parent saying, huh, you know, when um, neurotypical parents say they're tired and like an eye roll, 
But I don't agree with that. No. Because I think, of course, you are entitled to be Every writer tired. feel tired because it's, in a day yeah. it's difficult and nobody, regardless. Nobody ever knows somebody else's true context, but it isn't the same. And that is where I agitate people. But I'm here to say that it really isn't the same. And like I said, I have enough experience from teaching, from being around so many different children, from friends, from family. It's not the same experience. And I'm really getting quite tired of having our experiences and the children's challenges undermined. That's the thing. It's trivializing um, everything and it's undermining the things you go through on a daily basis. These are not things that are out of the blue or one-offs or rarities. It's every day. It's the frequency and intensity. And duration. I always say those three things. They're they're the things you need to measure it by. And believe me, all three come in spades in our household. Um, Like I said, we, we know every single part of the day which will cause the most anxiety that'll trigger stuff the most that's more likely to lead to a meltdown it used to be getting ready for school you knew like clockwork okay at this time get ready for a meltdown or get ready for resistance so then you're like well maybe i need to factor in another 15 minutes into getting ready now because you need to get that out of his system good fun you have to to see it to believe it absolutely that's why that's why you go on the old offensive of recording everything. We have even had family members dismiss us completely and then at a later stage witness it and go, oh my word. Yeah. Like, yep. And, um, you know, even filming it and showing them the film it's, isn't enough to cement it. Because it's it like in the, the Matrix. Oh, trying to swallow some red pill and see the world for how it really is. Our world isn't the same. I've said before, my mum was here once and um, she witnessed something with my youngest that nobody had seen. And I described it and I'd filmed elements of it, but it's not the same as when you are living it. And she was here and it happened and yeah. she said, whoa, whoa. Experiencing oh it firsthand God. live and the interaction yeah, and, she and actually getting said, hit. Yeah, it's everything, isn't it? And she said, you know what? And it was the best reflection, but this is just her basically. It's disturbing on so many levels, very upsetting and quite shocking to have witnessed that but actually more than anything it wasn't what I could see that was the most gut-wrenching part it's what you can feel I said no you you hit the nail on the head she was like the feeling from him and the feeling in the room and the atmosphere and the anxiety you can see so clearly that that's what's leading it but on a video it sometimes looks like they're just being a little brat Um, she didn't word it like that because that's not how she speaks but (laughs) you know and I think that's the thing but not everybody is going to be in situations to be exposed to it. And I think, oh, it's just really hard as a parent of these children to not be understood. But again, we do understand why people can't. But it is really tough. And that's why you get defensive. And that's why you get a bit militant. And um, You're on the back foot all the yeah, time you because you're trying, like, like you said, you're, you're the uninitiated, you're making excuses or you clearly cannot cope. Yeah, we talked about this today. Oh, you know, because we've been accused of all sorts of, you know, we've caused it um by pandering or we've caused it have we maybe modeled this behavior and you're like okay you get all sorts of really ignorant unhelpful comments but they they mean well but actually meaning well isn't really enough and I just find it comical that um you know myself as an autistic woman is told that I can't be empathetic when I am being treated with such little empathy by people who who are neurotypicals and claim to be (laughs) superior the irony you know, and I think that's the problem. It, it, it's very hurtful. And that is why I have changed. Like I said, I've said this several times. People have noticed it. I'm a different person. I've become so much more vocal. But do you know what? We have to. Who's going to do this if we don't? That's the thing. It's No one's going to speak for you. And contrary to popular belief, we, we do have a voice. And even if we're nonverbal, we'd find a way of articulating it through the written medium. Okay, I feel like we've really, really gone off on a tangent, but it is an important part of our life. It's just being understood as a PDA parent. What I'm going to actually try and do for you is just give you some of my tips and then explain to you how all of that fails with my child. So there we go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, I think a future episode may be trying to get some sound bites of your interactions. Absolutely. I've been filming everything and it's oh, so tough. Bless him. Um, Anyway, negotiation. That is massively key. We've talked about this before, but again, this will probably be a consistent theme. Other parent, pandering, wouldn't put up with that. They're controlling you. Reality. They need an element of control. They are anxious. 
they are struggling with their world and you giving them that that tiny bit of control and making them feel empowered yeah it why just not? makes all the difference okay so it can be something like right okay guys you have five minutes left and that's if they haven't resisted i don't want to be told it's five minutes left because <laughs> that might not happen every day but it happens sometimes <laughs> and then they say, you say five minutes left guys and they say no 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 seven minutes and you're like six okay agreed you know they and, and actually like you said they currently don't have a concept of time, so we can kind of get away with it. When they do, That's we the are thing. in for it. Where I fail is my, my literal brain sometimes betrays me. Yes. When really you just go, just remember, they have no concept of time. I do that time. to you all the time. I have to remind you that. Yeah, so exactly. this is where we work, but this is where it's draining for me on another level. <laughs> I really feel sorry for you. Because you will literally do that. Like, oh, for example, um, if I'm like, right, well, you'll we'll have to think about doing this then, you know, if this continues. And you're like, right, that's it. And then you're there doing it. And I'm yeah, like, no, I'm, I'm like, is that a cue for me it, to, I'm using it you as know, a negotiation tool. <laughs> and, you know, it's that kind of thing. Because I'm there thinking, oh, is it my time to, you know, do whatever? And it's like, oh, oh stand yeah. down. <laughs> stand down you're there on high alert um, but negotiation is key and that was just such a small example but we negotiate all day every day we have to yeah and it will always be making deals or negotiating to get things done some might call that bribery that also exists as well i see that as something a bit different but we do do that let's as well. wrap We're up not... as mutual cooperation <laughs> Everything's not consistent. It's so clear to say that to you because something works today doesn't mean it'll work tomorrow. Okay? It just doesn't. But it doesn't mean it won't work again. So just keep trying things. It is really... You're already getting the idea here that it's really hard work and there's no one-size-fits-all solution It's here. a roulette. But it's just having to completely always think outside of the box and what can I do right now to try and incentivize? And we'll make a lot of deals. <laughs> Yesterday, he had a huge tantrum because I said, right, after our writing, we need to do PE and then you can have video games. And he completely kicked off about that. In fact, I think I have that on film. You do. And then I said, okay, okay, I've got an idea. How about we still do PE? Meh, meh. But he we sounds, changed the order. He sounds a bit like um, George out of Peppa Pig. It's true. When he cries. But actually, to be fair though, he did go through a phase of using that as echolalia. Yeah, it's really so, good. And he's very, he's really good at mimicking, isn't he? He sounds like a parrot but anyway then all of a sudden you had a change in him where okay i'm still doing pe but we'll do it after some video games the reason i try to avoid him having screen time or video games before an activity that i want him to complete is because the other issue he has is coming away from that screen he sees it you know you always have to have something lined up like oh it's a snack or it's dinner or you know that kind of thing you just you have to just constantly be organized and thinking ahead there's nothing you can do spontaneously it just does not work and then you might get one day where all of a sudden you have an easy day I had one recently where I was like, wow, this has been a dream of a day. And um, although I had to still use some of these strategies, it just wasn't quite as adrenaline filled. Other parents, other people, other family members like, oh, I wouldn't do that. You know, you're the adult, they're the child. You need to lay down the law. They need to do what you do. OK, you can do all that. Let's play authoritarian. Let's play that game and have a two hour meltdown. I know which one I would prefer. And also I know which one is going to create a more emotionally balanced and well-adjusted child who knows that their parent values them and values their opinions and values their needs and is trying to do it in a calmer and more nurturing way. So, you know, that is my argument. I get shouted down all the time for the way I parent um, because I'm too soft. And if you were actually around me, you'd see I was not too soft. Oh, at all. you're not soft. I'm not soft. I'm very firm, um, but fair. But if I know that the children are pushing it and I know that they're consciously doing it and it's not a part of anything else, I treat it as I would any child in that situation. But I can tell the difference. And my own father said to me, well, how do you tell the difference? I live with them. They're my children. <laughs> and it's from experience. I can tell when I can push it with them and I can tell when I can't. I know this is a situation that needs to be um, handled very carefully. And I know when, nope, you just need to be short, sharp and clear. And... Again, that's just down to a parental experience, really. Well, you definitely. I'm I'm completely crap at uh, any of that and reading of faces and, and I know. reading between the lines. I'm terrible. <laughs> but hey, whatever. That's uh, why you're that's around why here. I'm here. I know. I do worry sometimes. I've said that to you openly. Like if I if anything happens to me with the fact that I am chronically ill, um, and uh, some of the complications that can come with that, it does it terrifies me. But again, I have to shake that out of my head and not talk about it because it's tear-inducing. So no, that's fine. Um, Just promise you'll never die. <sighs> 
Team America. <laughs> Love that film. <laughs> Such a good film. Brilliant film. Uh, okay, anyway, what other tips have we got? So we've done negotiation. I'm going to say that's compromise as well. I'm going to put it in together. Catering to their interests. So I had children when I was teaching where I had a little boy. He was a traveller, actually. And um, you know, he did not actually value school. And I'm not, again, trying to say that's the entire demographic. But this individual did not <laughs> at all uh, value school. Um, I've, I've taught other travellers who were not like that at all. And actually, I had one little boy who was a traveller. And his mum was very clear about her expectations of her children's education and that kind of thing so I just want to make that clear because I think they get a bad time as well because again people just generalize yeah again they're minority and people dislike to do that to minorities yeah. don't they and it's not fair um but there was this one little boy who just didn't value education whatsoever and I had to pull every trick out of my book to get him to engage in learning and you know he made great progress with me actually and I was really proud I used him as a case study for something once actually um but what did he was a boxing fanatic and I used to use that and everything if he wasn't listening in a lesson I'd just change it if you know just giving you a really silly example here but you know if we have five apples and we take away three apples I mean I was year three at the time so we were a little bit more advanced than that but as an example you know I'd be like okay he's not looking he's not interested he's yawning if we have five boxing gloves and they punch you know <laughs> three um punch bags or something sure like that it wasn't you faces <laughs> <laughs> do you know what's really tough when you're teaching <laughs> all that stuff goes through your head and you have to be quick enough to filter it out and think what's child friendly how many technical it's knockouts so... did he have <laughs> that's really tough you know and he punched um three Brilliant. punch bags over <laughs> okay that was a really bad example because that still doesn't actually equate to a subtraction problem does it <laughs> they're no. two separate things no, that's actually really so bad. It should have been. If you've got five boxing gloves and then somebody steals three of them, <laughs> so that was probably that was a terrible example. But you and get what, what do you I'm what say. do you have I'm a left? <laughs> Nothing but revenge. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> Because right, that's, okay. that's, yeah, okay, moving on tangent. Oh, yeah. my goodness me. <laughs> Let's stay on track. <laughs> oh, dear me. I don't think we'll ever stay so, on track. I don't so think they've got the ability. I think you're pairing education with um, <laughs> their need, uh, their interests. Sorry, maybe laugh. You're trying, to, you're trying to make it relatable to them, to engage yeah. them. And again, that's such a small example, yeah. but, you know, and just take an interest <laughs> in the child. I read a book about um, being an outstanding teacher at the end of my career, funnily enough, and I was like, okay, that's good. This is reassuring. I do all of this. Um, and But what annoyed me is one of the things in there was be interested in your children. And that annoyed me. You have to be told Why to be interested. Why should that be in a book? <laughs> it's terrible. It really is. Do you know, that's another tip. Just actually genuinely be interested in children and in their needs and in their feelings. Actually value them as people. You know, yes, they're your child, but they're a person and they do have their yeah. own things going on and acknowledge that. And um, and I try and openly do that with our children. Yeah, all so the time. there's the emotional investment in them. Um, the other thing you can note as well is you can be guilty of at times where you forget as an adult because you've been through it all and you you take things for granted, like oh, you know, it's just standard, easy peasy, everyday stuff. You forget that you were a kid once, and learning things for the first time, basic stuff, is a massive ask and. It's quite an achievement, but we sometimes as an adult you can lose track of that. And there's so many other strategies that we use, but you, do you know what? You just forget them, don't you? Because you're using them all the time. I use toys a lot to talk to them. Oh, well, the old, um, you can use that as a third person. Because if it's not directly coming from you, so an indirect demand, yes. they're more likely to respond to it. So if I <laughs> yeah, say, oh, yeah. come on now, guys, we need to get our socks on. Okay, if Mario goes, oh, socks need to go on or something. Okay, I know that's a really terrible voice. I apologize. <laughs> what was that? I don't know what that was. Socks need to go on. That's Mario. No? That was, that was, that was a bit better. Mario. Hey, okie dokie. You need to put the sock on. <laughs> that was better. Let's go. Let's go. Anyway. um. Don't sue me, Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> but, um... You know, if if Mario tells him to do something, again, not consistently, it wouldn't work if he did it all the time. Depends how pissed often. off he is. But do you remember when they were young? It doesn't <laughs> work as much now. But when they were young, do you remember they both had separate things at different points of their life where there was like a little bunny thing for the youngest. And I used to take it in my pocket when we went out and it would be in my coat. 
And if he didn't comply with something, which was quite a common occurrence for him, because he's <laughs> been quite difficult from young, whereas our eldest, it's been more as he's got older. He was actually quite angelic. Three plus definitely was where it yeah, became more prominent. Plus. Starting school is where it became very difficult. And year one, like a different child. Oh, yeah. It's, um, there's so much more asked of them. The curriculum is different. The whole school setup is different. And obviously at the moment, it's in a pandemic as well. So it's really tough on these children. And he has not coped at all. But he is literally not the same child. No. And we've tried to explain this to family members who've obviously not seen him really a great deal because of the pandemic. And I don't think anybody's really comprehended the change in him. I think that's the thing because the interactions with him will be so sporadic and short-lived. They're not going to see yeah. how different he is now. And yet he was struggling around people before, but he was. it's not even... It's on a different scale. Nowhere near to the same But I used level. to have this thing in my pocket. Like, if I knew something worked for them, it would be for those moments where you're like, right, I really need to pull something out of the bag. And I'd bring out Bunny for my youngest and be like, oh, hello, I'm Bunny. Could you please give me a hug or something? <laughs> you need to get your coat on because it's time to go home. You know, it'd be things like that. And then he would interact with Bunny and be like, oh, <laughs> okay, Bunny, put his coat on. And yet he could have been fighting me for 20 minutes before I even remembered Bunny was in my pocket. It's <laughs> things like that. It's just, it sounds absolutely crazy, but it works because it's not, not you doing it. Yeah, because let's face it, you're this authoritarian figure to them because you're their yeah. parent. And and I think as well, the homeschooling aspect is, that's another thing I said to you. I am their yep. mum and it is different. It is different to having a teacher, but then saying that I've been informed this is exactly what he's like at school and he's done all the same things to his one-to-one with stabbing her with a pencil. So I'm probably getting a very authentic experience, to be honest. But yeah, so that's another one that's really, really good to use. Oh my word, there's just so many things you do, isn't there? I'm I'm wondering maybe we should have written it down. We should have written it down. Ah, too much effort. (laughs) That's a demand. (laughs) A few of the techniques... You just have to really let them follow their routines. Like you cannot, like one of the examples from our youngest is oh wow, yeah. he was walking up the stairs and daddy thought, oh, you know, I'll help him with this last few steps so that it's a quicker journey to get upstairs to the bedroom. And how did that go down? Lead balloon. I even thought I'd make it funny by picking him up and, you know, when you go doing, 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 like you're jumping him on the steps but and obviously making him go high on each kind of step. Like Mario. Yeah, a bit like that. Yeah, that's probably an easy way of doing it. Yeah. Uh, and, um, yeah, he loved it. You put him in his room and couldn't understand the escalation. You were like, what? Uh? what's happened i'm like it's because (laughs) you've just carried him over three steps he expected to step on those three steps his intention was to walk up those stairs you without even consulting him have picked him up Uh bounced him over the steps and he now has to go back and finish that exactly okay because he's quite ocd as well isn't he he's got very ritualistic but anyway you couldn't understand and you were like whoa what's going on like you know whoa and um trouble is all you hear is the wind you, he you don't see a lot of words coming out so it takes a while to find out what it is you've done wrong both of our children you can observe. go non-verbal yeah. can't they and a lot of autistic people can go non-verbal a lot of autistic people will go into shutdown what we try and do every day is label their emotions and feelings and try and show them how they can talk and express it in a different way but they're just not there they struggle with processing and when they're in the moment there's just no way out of it I think that's the thing, because if they're not aware of their own feelings, how can they articulate them? Exactly. Like, they both of them. I remember when we first um, listened to one of the PDA Society presentations or webinars or something, and we we listened to it and we are both looking at each other in awe. Um, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. And it was the character thing. It's the taking on a character and using that as a reason not to do things. They're... Normally, uh, a character in authority... Yes. Like a policeman or... So our eldest used to be a policeman daily. Yeah. And he would use that role to basically dictate what he would and would not do. Even now they both do it all the time. They'll, you know, they'll be like, um, today I said, oh, can you go on the trampoline and just have a jump around? Because I think your body is telling you you need to have a little bit of movement. Before that, I'm going to do blah, blah, blah. There's always like a further negotiation or he has to be in some control over how this is happening. Yeah. Just, uh, and our youngest is always Batman. Oh, he even does the Batman He voice. does. It's and he awesome. actually engages Batman mode, we call it. And he's a different person. Like that is, he is actually Batman. He does not come out of character. He and, really is um, Batman. If I call him by his real name, 
He gets uh, very upset. Really pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> because, and, and you just do it innocently. You can't because he's not... But his whole persona changes. But then it will be things like, oh, um, do you remember when our elders was pretending to be his teacher? I said, right, you need to go for a wee-wee now before bed. And this was before. This was at a time when actually he was resistant, but not to the extreme that we now experience. Yeah, it's so next could, level stuff You could now. make gentle demands at that point. And I was but, like, oh, mm-hmm. I think we need to have a wee-wee now because it's bedtime. And, oh, I'm sorry, I can't... Oh, why? Why can't you go for a wee? Well, because I'm a teacher and teachers don't wee. And you're like, okay. <laughs> and I said, actually, they do. And then you educate them on it. But it's like, there'll be another reason. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's so smart. I know people kind of criticize PDA, but there is a real endearing and positive side to it and the intelligence. There was definitely intelligence there. Oh, trust word. me. Because some They're of the so arguments. They're so socially manipulative. It's like. And yeah, like you said, the manipulation and, and But in a good way in a way, you know, it's it's intelligence. It's it's about getting what you want <laughs> at at the end of the day. And you've got to kind of the stuff they come out convince with convince them. Gold. You've almost got to convince them that what you're doing is what they want. Yeah, absolutely. And you can occasionally get them to bend to your will, but it has to again be done and it sounds really awful, but I'm going to just admit it. As a teacher and as a parent, I use a lot of emotional blackmail. <laughs> And it's actually the wrong word, blackmail, but I use my relationship with them. With my eldest, I mean, it doesn't work with my youngest at all, but my eldest, if you really want him to do something and he isn't, you can kind of do the emotional thing and go, mommy, it really is sad because mommy really wanted to, you know, whatever. And he'll be like, oh, and he will actually kind of then bend to your will temporarily because he just wants you to be happy. My youngest does not care. (laughs) at all you can do these same strategies with him and it's like no he doesn't care at all he's he's not going to be affected or manipulated by you he knows what you're doing and he's not standing for it so um (laughs) whereas my eldest is just so so sensitive and so kind isn't he really yeah that's what's a shame um he's a sensitive kind boy who today tried to stab me in the face and, and hit me and this is where the um the conflict lies. This is where people go, well, no, that's just naughty. He needs a smack. That's what he needs, a good old smack. He really doesn't. Like, you can see he's not consciously thinking I'm going to stab mummy in the face. Doesn't change the outcome. I and agree, but... First of all, we're not smacking household. And secondly, if you were to smack him... What message are you sending? First of all, you're, you're modelling violence with violence. So, yeah, that's not confusing. And the other thing is he would not draw parallels between... Uh, cause and effect he makes no connections between consequences and cause and effect those things don't work for him for that reason so um yeah that's another thing actually that's another tip for pda like you know yes sometimes you can use reward and consequence but generally speaking it just doesn't it's not effective no it just isn't effective and a lot of the times when they are resisting things it's not because they're just trying to be awkward there'll be a you know a physical disconnect for them they just won't be able to do it and today he promised me he was going to do something and then didn't and I swear I saw that in one of the webinars about that even if it's well intentioned even if they intend to do say you said um if I give you this donut will you come and do such and such with me they might really mean it at the time yeah but then by the time it comes to it they can't do it whereas other adults tell us oh no they're just manipulating you and and you're like no they're not but you see you can see how people think we're these really pathetic parents no, I'll tell you why. Wet because blanket of parents, you know. I know myself, there's certain times in my job where there'll be demands on me to do something and it takes a hell of a lot for me to do that particular thing that's been asked because it may be something that I just don't want to do. Yeah. Um, and and it's hilarious because I just draw parallels with my, my boys and think I'm, I'm just as bad as they are, uh, but in yeah. an adult body. Yeah, and totally. And it's really bad as You've well. You've always been like that, though. We could go back over your whole history. Yeah, I mean, that's a definitely another Do you know, I, I am as well, though. I've been resistant my whole adult life uh, and childhood, but adult life in particular. And um, again, I'm very kind of like rule driven. But if something doesn't sit well with me, yep. then I resist it. Yeah. And I will. I don't care what the consequences are. I it, will still, yeah. you know, and it has got me into a lot of trouble. Uh, but that's just the way it is yeah, and I understand they're the same some, I mean sometimes mm-hmm. it could be you, you'll disagree with something for a good reason professionally and you'll resist it and then you just look like a giant pain in the ass. yeah they think you're just um, you've had a lot of people on a personal level kind of think you're just throwing toys out of the pram and actually it goes no. so much deeper than that 
<laughs> but yeah, but yeah, we'll, we can always cover that another time. Yeah, that would be a good discussion. But essentially, I don't think PDA is a bad thing. Okay, it's just it is really tough growing up. It's tough growing up, and it's tough to be the individual. It's also tough to parent PDA children. But these strategies do help. I actually spoke to my youngest paediatrician recently and she asked me how it was going and I said simultaneously worse and better. And she was like, okay, explain. And I said, because (laughs) although on one level as he's growing, we're getting, um, things are getting easier in some ways. Like he is able to articulate himself a bit more, not in the moment, but you know, in between. Our eldest isn't, he's PDA, but again, a very different being and he's got so many more comorbidities I would say is accurate again it's a spectrum but our youngest he is more articulate you are more able to reason with him now I am you have to call me I call you because uh, again our relationship isn't there yet he he just yeah me and him don't mix very well no it's bi- and it's not he adores you it's I know just he does because you don't him. say the right things <laughs> I, I I'm just not equipped correctly to deal with his I, needs at the moment I find with him it's <laughs> nurture 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 it's nurture and distraction, um, and distraction doesn't always work. The, the, the most important thing is time and patience. Which is you, so hard You've got to slow it down because, again, with the, the idea of having to go somewhere or whatever, whatever your normal response time is, double that. You've got to allow extra time for stuff to happen because they ain't going to be quick. But even if you allow the quick. extra time, I can guarantee to you, it will still be that last portion of time that you're still going to have problems. Even yeah, if you yeah. say, right, we'll prepare another two hours in advance it will still be that last part and it doesn't matter what you put in place. It's not going to be easy. It's just not easy. You know it isn't going to be easy. I think what I was trying to say is like say anything that will take five minutes or whatever, you ain't going to take five minutes for them. bed routine. The other day we thought, oh wow, they're playing so nicely. We're having such a lovely day. It was a really dreamy day and um, let's keep them up a bit later as a treat. But you know what? We kind of regretted it because they got overtired. Yeah which also is not a good recipe there. And, Especially with PDA kids. But then also we then were getting anxious about how late it was by the time that they went down to bed because it took us that long to get their routine in order and to settle them into bed and it was like a battle. And we were drained and then we ended up staying up till a really stupid time that night because we needed to decompress and have time to ourselves. Yep, we still need that regardless. You know, and I think that's another autistic thing, isn't it? And it's, I think that's where it is a benefit to us that we are autistic because we understand them as a result. We understand their struggle because we've been there ourselves. Yeah, the processing issues, the need for decompression. But I do think um, nurture is important. Not all children want the pressure and the, you know, and I think when they're having meltdowns, you need to just let them fizzle out, but they need to see you're there it doesn't mean just chuck them in a room and leave them it means be present make, be accessible show them you care you know i always make a point of saying when you're ready you know i'm here and they they obviously aren't really in a place to yeah access that at the time but i just make sure i'm there often it means i'm getting things thrown at me or what have you <laughs> um or being hit but well, do you know what it's eventually you find your opportunity to get in there and that is when i usually go in with a hug or i'll open myself up to them it, it's a funny thing it's like with my oldest i remember putting him in his his room and i remember the first time i, I realized that he'd got progressively worse was he'd started throwing the contents of his yeah, room at me because he'd never done that the fact that we'd had to move his stuff into his brother's room, who's really known for being so aggressive with yep. throwing, is telling you how extreme it's become. Exactly. So so I, I realised at that point, if 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 you are putting him in his room to calm down, in quotation, because what you're trying to do is you're trying to remove him from the situation that he's currently in. And uh, somewhere safer, hopefully. Yeah. Um it's not it's, it's trying to show it's not it's not there as punishment either, because again, they don't like that. Yeah. Um. So you, you're trying to put him in there to to kind of calm down or whatever. But I've I've noticed I can't leave him there to calm down because he'll just throw stuff and he'll just tear everything up. Yeah. Um. I I remember when I was five, literally trashing my room. Uh. And then you feel like crap about it afterwards. But anyway, getting back to him, I, I realized that I couldn't leave him to calm down uh, you have to be there and remove as much of the stuff as possible that he's going to smash up or, or throw and then i just kind of wait in there with him make sure he's safe not hurting himself or breaking anything the best thing to do is to not make eye contact and, and, and not talk yeah and as, as long um just don't be in punching or kicking distance either that's another tip <laughs> so probably have your back against the wall so then you can't like blindside you or what sneak up and do, choke you or anything crazy if possible like with my youngest is i sit outside and i 
he can actually push his stair gate off the door. Um, he's worked out how to do it. So I sit there and I put my feet up against it so that he can't push it away from the door. But I find that that's a slightly safer place to be as long as you've removed anything heavy. Yeah, whereas if I did that to our youngest, he'd, he'd think that I'm antagonising him. And He would, yeah. yeah. You really, it, it depends De- on the child, definitely. It depends on your relationship. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. I always go in if I can, and I sit outside if, I, if I'm if i like, no, this isn't the right move. Yeah. But going in, I think, you know, and I think that's where people, again, they think we're man being, you know, oh, I just I just leave them, and you're like, oh, what's just, the, it's What's the alternative? We, we know our youngest could go on for over two hours. hours. yeah. Uh, they don't believe us, though, do um, they? They don't. What are you solving? Nothing. No. They're heightened. They feel like crap. Because I, I remember once he, he'd what, done, I don't know, 45 minutes or whatever, and the, the, the sobbing, the uncontrollable stuff afterwards, really, yeah, really oh, kind of... Yeah, that's making me feel awful. I remember uh, that. Yeah, they, they are literally... That's happened a lot. And like, we haven't had one of those for a while. No. And long may that continue. Because because the approach has changed. Yeah, for exactly. me, I go in like I'm able to go in now and like I'm able to talk him down a bit. Diffuse um, him a bit, yeah. yeah. One of the techniques we use is um it's either the thing I said earlier where it's nurture, 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 or if that doesn't work, shift the anger to something new that can be controlled. Yes. So Batman pajamas are in the uh, wash. He couldn't wear them. He'd actually weed in them, so so that's an example of something that you're not going to be able to solve. No, but he will go on and on and on. So it's right, okay, so let's try nurture. Let's, let's try and explain it to him. Let's cuddle him. Let's be close. Let's be nurturing and patient and calm. And, you know, oh, sweetheart, you know, it's a shame you can't have them. And I understand you're so disappointed. But do you remember why you can't have them? Yeah, it's because you weed in them, isn't it? But, you know, sometimes people are like, yeah. And sometimes, no, blah, blah, blah. It just You just don't know what you're going to get. Um, but this escalated, this fixation. And then he's walking around and slamming things and yeah. kicking things and getting really angry because he wants his Batman pajamas and you are withholding them. This is so, what we call like the last um, yeah. card that you play. Like, so then we're like, right now we need to annoy him yeah. about something different. So I, I knew it to... would annoy him if I turned the light off because yeah. he doesn't like it. So I turned the light off. Oh. Ah, I want the light on. I want the light on. That's I want the light on for anyone who doesn't understand that language. We're not... <laughs> Raising a demon, <laughs> honest, sounds like one. And that's a, and that's an accurate impression as well. My impressions are terrible usually, but I'm really good at doing uh, him. Uh, you've triggered some so, PTSD. Thank you. And um, anyway, uh, it didn't work initially. It took a couple of attempts, but um, he went. Bleh. So I lifted him up and let him touch the light. Sometimes I might do it, but this was to make him feel like, yeah. I've turned that light on, but it didn't work. Yeah. It worked for about five seconds and he went, Batman pajamas. And I was like, oh no, what are we gonna do? So then I'm like, oh, what's this? Is this Lightning McQueen over here? Oh, I love Lightning McQueen. What colour does he turn into when he goes in the bath then? Is that when he's cold or is that is that when he's hot? I can't remember. And it might distract him for a little while. That might work. But no, it didn't. So then you're like, okay, I'm gonna have to annoy him again. So the light goes off again. Or you might withhold what lightning McQueen. There'll be something. But it has to be the thing that you try and shift his anger onto has to be something you can control and resolve. Because then he feels like, Oh yeah, I was angry about that and it's been resolved now, so now I'm okay. And it's that kind of thing. And again the negotiation, he loves the same song every night before bedtime. And it's one that I made up years ago. Don't sing it. <laughs> I'm not going to <laughs> But it's the same song. I don't even. I'm not even exaggerating. Every single night, without fail. And um, I'm like, oh, let me tell you. So tonight, I said to him, "Hmm, I think it might be song time. I wonder what song it's going to be. I think it could be." And then, as I was about to say it, he went, "No, let me say it," because he has to say it. And I'm like, "Okay, you say it." And again, other parents might go, "Oh, well, I wouldn't have a child speak to me like that." Blah blah blah. But he needs it, and that makes him feel safe, and that makes him feel happy. So why? <laughs> Why take it away? This is what I don't understand of adults who are like, I do this. Okay, I so must you'd accept my yeah, authority. So on you. you want to basically oppress this child uh, and uh, you want to make them feel like, you know, they need to know who's in charge. Do you know what? Yeah. I just don't understand it. And I'm, um, you know, picky I just battles. don't get it. You are picky battles. But that's the other thing with the indirect language. First of all, like have a sense of humor. You need to be able to laugh about a lot of these things. 
sometimes it can trigger them if you do laugh. Yeah, but you, I'm but really you crap are at a nightmare that. for that. They but end up thinking I'm laughing at them at rather them, than then you're just at the situation. Yeah. Um, but sometimes <laughs> you do just have to laugh it off. Like my eldest was doing something to me today, which wasn't very nice, and screaming at me, and then I made a joke of it and was like, "Oh, did you just say blah blah?" blah? <laughs> and then just like a fake laugh, and then he laughed. I mean, it was short-lived. He still attacked me shortly afterwards. Yeah. But you, you do have to develop a sense of humor. You do have to try really hard not to take it personally. But that is hard when it is constant like today was. The final thing I can think of right now is with the indirect language, instead of... Again, I still fail on it sometimes. And so do you. You know, when you're kind of a bit rushed or urgent, you're like, oh, yes. quick, go for a wee, hurry up. Or, oh, mommy, I need a wee. Quick, get on the toilet. And then all of a sudden they can't, they can't go anymore, even though they're desperate for a wee yeah. because you've just told them to go. And that sounds insane, doesn't it? Because they've just told you they need to go. But you've then, you know, had the audacity to tell them to go on the toilet. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they can't do it. Because <laughs> I'm there so, thinking, oh my God. And then like, like, everything's heightened. Oh, it's, it's very stressful. Oh, and this is what people don't understand it is it's like oh no you know what's uh, coming next best best advice there is i reword it like you can take it back okay if you don't do it right the first time even though i would always urge you try and get it right the first time um but if you can't you can kind of go oh i wonder if you could go to the toilet or do you know what i'm gonna race you to the toilet it has to be something like that or i bet you can't go to the toilet in 10 seconds but again at the moment they don't like the countdown so we wouldn't be using that but that used to be a really effective strategy some of this will not work some won't work some will some will work some days and then not others experimentation yeah just like you know be open to all these things really but i think just above all like you are the expert on your child and it is a shame that other parents and other adults have so much to say about your parenting but like you know your kids and i think hearing us talk you can tell that we understand the psychology behind a lot of this and we understand the feeling and from a personal perspective we understand what it feels like yeah we've been there you know so it is insulting when a lot of adults do have a lot to say we've had so much of that over the years even in the early days when we knew they were different and we had people opposing us over that and you know i remember when the eldest was starting school and everybody was going oh yeah he just needs to go to school he'll be fine when he's at school well things escalated as i predicted but you know nobody turns around and ever says gosh you were right we're really sorry that we trivialized it and made you feel like poo for so many years that you were exaggerating and just being an overbearing mum. you don't really ever get that kind of validation back from people but at the same time my husband always says the truth is the truth you know your truth so even if they say and think those things behind your back it actually doesn't change the fact that it's still your it's still the truth exactly it's annoying because because people, people should ignorant. acknowledge it but yeah you're right that's the thing you spend your life correcting everyone else's ignorance but at some point you just gotta go no you can present what you you can you can present a statement or whatever and it's up to the person to believe that or not but in the day the truth is the truth we're the having to learn that. to do this this is not a natural thing for me you've no. been a little bit more like it than i over the years i'm having to learn to get a thicker skin and to just let things go but that's not a natural thing for me i'm a looper i'm somebody who goes over things a lot and i hate injustice but i'm having to just start to realize that these things are causing me stress and not them exactly that's the thing you gotta think of your own sanity there i myself I, i've looped on stuff before but nowhere near as much as you do mm -mm. um and it's it's great um to be able to free yourself of that one last parenting advice as well which is universal is you can actually say sorry oh that's so important is the humility and again it's just being human and it's modeling it's, well, and i did that yeah. as a teacher and i got i got told off by other teachers and teachers saying to me like oh my gosh you, you never apologize to children that's like giving them the power i was like oh my what it's what is it power. about power it's about humility it is and respect thanks for listening and um we will speak about another topic and go off on a tangent another time indeed until next time